Welcome to part two of Old Taku no Radio's Samurai Jack episode. After the introduction, we start right where we left off by looking at our favorite episodes in seasons three and four, and also talk about our hopes for the currently airing season five. Enjoy! Not too long ago, on the internet, Jared and Inc., lovers of stories and art, unleash an analytical podcast and a warrior detective, wielding her sleuthing acuity, steps forth to accompany them. Before their next pod could be cast, Jared and Inc. tear open our portal via Skype and fling the detective into the future where in-depth analysis is law. Now these fools take a look back at a cartoon from the past and analyze Samurai Jack on episode 006 of Old Taku. season three so i just want to read some of my notes from season three as i i probably think it was one of the most interesting seasons <laughs> and here's some notes from it from mine uh that time jack was turned into a chicken that time jack fought ravers that time jack met not totoro and had to journey to find the crystal of cogliostro <laughs> that time jack met jigen so <laughs> a very interesting mix in this season. And since I since I mentioned the, the sort of the Jigen reference, uh, one of my favorite episodes was episode 13, which was a spy versus spy type deal where Jack is trying to steal this gem from this crazy pyramid thing. And another thief is also trying to steal it at the same time. And that thief looks a heck of a lot like Jigen from Loop on the Third. And yeah, it's just, I love, I love Spy vs. Spy, so I like that. I love heists and thieves and all, and all their glory. So I thought it was a pretty fun episode. And I enjoyed the, all the traps in the, that they had to overcome. And then when they'd cross paths, but not quite, and they'd have to, you know, they'd, they'd stop and they'd listen because they thought they heard somebody else. So I liked that a lot. Question for you, Kate. Did you Do you feel like this was the most eclectic season of the four? I, according to my notes, seems like it was <laughs> an, an unusual, I, I don't know, season four also has quite a few different things going on in it, but I just thought it was a really strange bunch of episodes. When saw back to back. Yeah, I, I actually had the same thoughts as you. As soon as the like third episode or so, I was just like, "Hey, Jack in uncanny situation." And I don't know what the rest of the series is because the rest of the series is exactly Jack in uncanny situations. But for some reason, this season does really stand apart as, "Hey, we're trying to make references." Yeah, and I feel like that kind of started at the end of season two because like you said there was there was mm. the alice in wonderland episode there was the 300 episode which and i don't remember what episode 13 was in the second season but yeah then it's just i the references just keep coming yeah i i i will say about the the chicken jack episode i so desperately wanted 
Chicken Boo from Animaniacs to show up in that episode. <laughs> I kept praying to all the Time Warner gods. I was like, please, please let there be a badly disguised chicken reading a newspaper sitting on a park bench or something. Um, you're not a man, you're a chicken just, samurai. Yes, just so we could hear like an instrumental of that for like five seconds, because that was like on my mind constantly uh, for that whole episode. That was one of my favorite episodes, though. <laughs> just and and just because it took hokey to the max and just went okay we're in a world where anything can happen let's make anything happen and do it in an entertaining fashion because it's all about a wizard who gets pissed off because no one knows he's there <laughs> because you know like wizards typically oh wow a wizard what can you do but no this is a wizard who you know evidently just goes unnoticed everywhere and gets bumped into and he's just pissed off and he turns everyone who bumps into him into a chicken <laughs> and the, the best part of this is the setup, because you have Jack eating very prominently chicken udon. And this is where also the anime influence starts to creep into uh, Samurai Jack, I think. Very much uh, so. Because you have that udon, that, that mobile udon, udon cart, um, and he's eating at it and, you know, has the chicken, whatever, and... He goes through all this trauma as a chicken, and the entire punchline of this entire episode, which they, which is a great execution of dramatic tension, if you think about it, is the fact that Jack endures all of his trials as a chicken, whereas you know he usually would do as a human, as a samurai, in the exact same situation, but he's doing it as a chicken. And then he gets reverted to a human, goes back to the shop where he had the chicken, and orders the fish with such vehemence <laughs> like no i want the fish I want, oh no wait i want the shrimp i want the shrimp i want the shrimp and it's it just makes the episode it's so stupidly simple it makes that episode <laughs> so cater inc any more episodes you want to talk about uh specifically uh scene three jack in the graveyard which is episode mm. four visually really amazing and i really like that in that episode, when Aku shows up, he actually gains possession of Jack's sword, which seems like this really, really bad situation. And and it is, and, and Jack is really thrown off by the events of it, but I love the resolution of Aku cannot use the sword. <laughs> it, you know, it needs righteousness behind it. I really thought they did a nice job of of creating the tension between Jack and Aku and then him finally getting Jack like exactly where he wants him and then not being able to actually physically hurt him with the sword. Yeah. Visually and orally that totally works because you have the moment where Aku strikes at Jack's chest and you hear the, Ting! but there's only like a little pressure point on Jack's chest against the blades tip. And then a brief pause, and then Aku stabbing violently at Jack's chest with the same sword to the same effect. It's a good bit of visual and audible humor in that. So, Ink, what what other episodes did you did you enjoy? So, you talked about, we've talked about Graveyard and Chicken Jack. Any any others you want to touch on? Actually, I still want to stay on Graveyard. Actually, there was um, uh, another moment of pop culture moments uh, coming in that will actually go into season four in the latter half of season three is uh, 
one of the banshees in the graveyard screaming, I will swallow your soul, which is, of course, hearkening back to Evil Dead. Uh, and that, that Evil Dead strain of references also comes up later in uh, season three with the Haunted House episode. There's one thing I don't like about that episode is in the, in, in the series of action scenes where he's fighting purely in silhouettes, there are gorgeous movements, but it's hampered because of the limited animation available. And it seems like it really should, they, they really should have paid more attention to the fluidity of the fighting uh, as opposed to some other portions of that episode. Because the animation of him fighting in silhouette was gorgeous. I, yeah. I really liked the inkbrush style that they go into in the Haunted House episode. Mm, I love yes. that. That's probably my favorite episode of the whole season, honestly. Well, keep telling yeah. us about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was, trying, I was trying to let you guys continue. Um, I, I really love, uh, and I think that they do that in this season, and of course we're all going to talk about the same episode in uh, season four, but they they do some experimental things with the visuals and, and the haunted house is so different. It's such a departure uh, from so many of the other episodes in the series, just in general, the premonitions and flat and like flash forwards about, you know, things like the threat of the haunted house uh, and the way that it's done in this sort of frenetic ink brush style uh, is, is just really great. Um, and just in general, it's a really good kind of horror episode. It's, it's got, um, you know, obviously you can't, you can't be too scary with the age rating and everything, but, um, it, it's got, you know, in terms of format and style, a lot of, uh, the kinds of things you want to see in a good, uh, horror episode, kind of like a good episode of Yamishibai, actually. Uh, but, um, you know, just the, the mood and the tension and the, the slow kind of unraveling, this was my favorite thing besides the inkbrush stuff, was the slow unraveling of Jack sitting down with his family at dinner, and it slowly starts to become weird and then supernatural, creepy, kind of just by degrees. And the way that's handled and executed, again, you know, top shelf store, uh, storyboarding here, uh, just absolutely brilliant uh, the way that that entire episode is executed easily my favorite uh of the whole of the whole uh season and the other thing i like about this season oh, oh, uh, the, i actually i took to task some of the some of the elements they used to exploit the sense of dread in that episode okay because a lot of it is cliche but what they do nicely is really rely upon what the series is known for in that ep in that episode is just a lot of the visual they they cut back on uh, the background sound and uh, song and they they really stress just sort of the immediate the attention Jack pays to his surroundings and what's going on um, the flashbacks are nice but what I really loved about that episode is they took all the flashbacks and they made that final fight scene with the dragon, that evil, evil presence or spirit mm. in that exact same style of the flashbacks. Yeah. So you instant, instantly knew that you were fighting 
in the spiritual realm as opposed to the physical and that that was just such a such a wonderfully wonderfully communicated visual experience that that's what made it one of my favorite episodes in that season i like haunted houses <laughs> that too yeah haunted houses are fun I was going to say the other thing I, I like about this season is it establishes a sense of mythos uh, in the Samurai Jack verse. Uh, we get a little taste of it when there's the episode uh, where, where <laughs> excuse me, where Jack is uh, helping out the swamp wizard, quote unquote, uh, mm. get the um, get all the pieces of uh, this. Um, you know, artifact that will help get Jack home, but it's in fact a, a weapon. And of course the swamp wizard is Aku. Uh, and, and you can feel Aku straining to try to keep the facade going. And thankfully Jack's kind of trusting. So it sort of works for a little bit, but you know, Jack obviously knows that it's Aku and he plays along cause Jack's not dumb. Um, which I appreciate about him so much that he's not lawful dumb. You know, like like you could compare him to a paladin in D and D, and like sometimes that gets turned into lawful stupid, and I'm so glad it's not like that. Huh. All right. Gaming rant aside, um, the the episode where we really see the mythos uh, established, or it's actually the last two uh, of the season, where we get this this cosmological view of. Uh, the universe that Aku is born into. So you see like the triumvirate of, of, you know, different good gods, basically, um, battling this, just un, this formless, nameless evil. Um, and eventually we, we see how Aku is sort of the, the remnant or the echo of this, you know, overwhelming, like existential, just elemental force of evil. Um, and, uh, we see, uh, Samurai Jack's dad uh, do battle with him and 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 kind of see the setup for um, it's 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 like the Star Wars prequels but good uh, version uh, of Samurai Jack's backstory. Um, so really just enjoyed that sort of cosmological take on uh, the the series uh, that these two episodes deliver, and and I would not be surprised to see more of that come back into things in the upcoming season as well. Name another series where you can completely eliminate the, the central character and still have a themed and effective show. Yeah. I mean, this is really an epic show, even though it tends to focus on Jack and Aku, it there's um, it, it manages to do a lot of standing on its own merit, just in you know, this, these two episodes are a perfect showcase of that. Any, anything else about season three? Oh, my God. There's one more I wanted to talk about. Can I talk about it real quick? Um, so episode three is the – it's titled The Couple on the Train. Um, it's basically a sort of Old West train caper kind of, uh, kind of setup where you've got these two – divorced bounty hunters that that are both after jack and one's like this burly cowboy robot and then the other is 
this um, femme fatale Southern Belle type, perfect uh, old you know old West movie kind of femme fatale, and uh, it's it's really uh, a good episode and it's funny. Um, the the great thing about it to me <laughs> is that it has a cameo by literally Quick Draw McGraw <laughs> and his sidekick deputy. <laughs> They don't like call him out by name, but it's freaking quick drama crawl. Um, and I, I love, love, love that. Um, so it's, I, I really like it when they they bring in the old Hanna Barbera stuff into this in sort of a a wink wink kind of way. Did you guys have any thoughts about that episode? Trains. <laughs> there is not enough train animation. That's that's a fact. I mean, I love fighting on top of trains, and that's sort of something that I uh, and visually is always really cool, and something you could never actually do. <laughs> <laughs> I liked all the reactions from the passengers inside the trains. <laughs> that that was my favorite part of the episode because everything else was kind of rote, but the reactions to everyone as this, you know, bounty hunt, hunter couple interact with Jack inside the train. And it's already been established that Jack has posters with him, uh, you know, posters portraying him everywhere as public enemy number one, uh, everywhere at all times. So everyone who knows who he is, so immediately there's a sense of danger. And then you have these bounty hunters or people who are snuggling up to him. So you have to automatically assume that these are people who are dangerous, either on your side or his. And the, the reactions of all the children and the women and the men, like, surrounding them in their ticketed seats, I found hilarious. Yeah. To your point, it, it is a fairly rote episode in a lot of ways. But, you know, even a rote episode when it's well executed and it's got good humor and pacing can be, can be fun. And I just really I just really enjoyed the stew out of this one. It was It was great. I guess we kind of talked about the one where... It's basically Jack and, and a Totoro clone <laughs> wandering around, mm. and and it's the it's titled Jack and the Annoying Creature, but it's it's basically Totoro and Totoro is weird and annoying, but also endearing all at the same time. And it's a very big, heavy, Ghibli esque kind of uh, love letter episode. I felt. I like the fact that in that whole. Jack in place of the small girl on Totoro's belly situation that he just sort of wakes up covered in saliva as opposed to eaten yeah. <laughs> is wonderful. But uh, yeah, I, I just enjoyed the hell out of that because it was a, a, a bit of lightness amongst, amongst the darkness. Yeah. It's a, it was an unusually upbeat, happy kind of episode. Um, even though Totoro goes berserk at the end, but um, tonally it was it was pretty refreshing. I thought it was interesting that the Totoro, they're not Totoro, is so kind of gross, and I feel like there are other episodes of Samurai Jack, but in general, I feel like. American gross cartoon humor is not really anime. Like, you don't see that in anime that much. Like, this, like, it, it was, like, that Totoro, that not Totoro was almost as if 
the guy from Ren and Stimpy drew Totoro, like what he would imagine. It was almost like Stimpy and Totoro had a baby. There was like this grossness that you certainly wouldn't associate with Ghibli, which is so like (laughs) idyllic. Or naturalistic. This this one was like the the mentally challenged cousin of Totoro. <laughs> Born in a world of radiation and <laughs> pollution. Or Mississippi. Sure. We love you, Mississippi. Yeah, that was a good that was a pretty good episode. Um, anything else about season three before we move to season four? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so Kate, why don't you start us off talking about the ninjas, because that was amazing. First episode of season four will blow your mind and make your life better if you've never seen it. Jack is a ninja. He's fighting another ninja. And this episode plays with light and shadow and black and white. And I I love the starkness of the visuals and how they play with shape. It's just brilliant and even more artsy and conceptual than I think any other episode as far as its visual style goes. Because the way that they're playing with it is so complicated. I can imagine the storyboarding process for that being so intense in order to really achieve what they were going for. I'll add sight and sound to that because it's it's made prominent early on that the assassin ninja that Aku has sent after Jack in this episode is adept at stealth. And him being a shinobi, a warrior who, you know, takes advantage of shadow, coming after Jack, for him, silence is the utmost weapon because it can be surprise and invoke last-minute defense. But the best thing is that this episode doesn't just rely on silence. There's ambient noise. There's the creaking of the the floorboards, the wooden beams, the housing structure that they eventually fight in. So while you have not only this really dynamic changing of lighting scenes, because as they fight, the day is progressing, and thus the angle of the light intruding through the structure is progressing in counterclockwise motion. And as the figures of white and black progress through white and black, whereas the storyboard artists have to this point made certain that characters are readable, thus distinguishable against their backgrounds, now they actually meld them. So you have pure white and pure black interacting with pure white and pure black. So that spy versus spy theme that Cape mentioned comes into play, not only antagonistically, but visually. So these beings are occupying pure light and black, and the fight is fucking amazing. (laughs) It's just brilliant because all they have to rely on is sound in those moments because we as viewers are seeing these uh, distinguishing moments of visuals but to the characters in the scene all you have is sound and Samurai Jack at this moment turns off the soundtrack or at least for most of it and I really loved watching everything happen silently and visually 
it was gorgeous. It was a dance of desperation. Oh my god, freaking ninjas, dudes! Ah, it was so good. <laughs> it was kick ass again, Jack. Like his Utila, not a Utila kilt, but his Utila bathrobe, Yukata thing. You know, he somehow magically tailors it to be a, a, a white ninja outfit. But uh, I have nothing more to add than what you guys have already said. It was just, it was tremendous. Ink, it's funny that you you said. When I said Spy vs. Spy, I was actually talking about the episode before this one, and I just wanted to mention that it's very strange to me that there are only two episodes where Jack is a ninja, and they are back-to-back episodes. It's as mm. if they really enjoyed making him a ninja in the last episode of Season 3, and then they were like, we gotta do another ninja episode! Let's make it the, the best episode we've ever done, and that'll be kicking off the Season 4, because... I, I when I said spy versus spy, I was talking about him versus the thief, mm. because the way that they're like sabotaging each other is very oh, yeah, spy versus yeah. spy. But then in this, I know why you said it about this one because the black and white really evokes the spy versus spy like visual. So it's mm. and it's interesting that these episodes are back to back. I I thought that that was a weird a weird decision, but only seems weird if you're watching them in. A, a marathon. <laughs> well, hey, they conceivably, they, they, we don't know how, uh, in, in what order they've conceived of these things either. So maybe they did do that last one of season three and have, oh, this should be the next episode. I was also just going to say, conceptually, you started off this episode, and yeah, you see the ninja, but you, there, there's like no warning that they that they're about to go into this incredible uh, visual sequence that they do. Um, and I like that. I like that Samurai Jack somehow has this way of starting out one, in, in one direction, and by the end of the episode, it could be in a very different place. Um, and they do that with a lot of episodes, but this one is one of the better ones that they do that with. Kate, you have uh, the Scotsman and Jack who lost his memory, uh, and I do as well. Why don't, why don't you start us off with that one? Okay, so... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my favorite Scotsman episode is a little bit later, and it's it's in season four, and it's a two part episode, which is a little bit unusual for the series, and it's it's an episode that is both about friendship and also hysterically funny, and the Scotsman is actually the main character of the episode, which is also kind of unusual because he finds Jack on this ship as basically a cabana boy, as well as called Jack. And he is not Jack. He looks like Jack, but he's not dressed like Jack, and he doesn't talk like Jack. In fact, he talks like if Jack was a valley girl, which is possibly the greatest thing that happens in the entire show, is... (laughs) Hearing him talk, saying stuff such as, like, I don't even know you, dude. <laughs> and just knowing Jack and hearing that voice come out of him is is pretty incredible. And I like that the Scotsman has to literally throw him over his shoulder and find where where Jack has been, where his memories have gone, and defeat the sirens and... It's a real tale of friendship. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's just a fun kind of two-parter 
and sort of a, a medley of the prior Scotsman episodes in some ways. Um, it, it sort of shows their relationship in sort of this full, full circle kind of way. And uh, it's, it's just really great to, uh, <laughs> to have, to have the Scotsman in an episode and be, you know, kind of the, the, um, well, really, he's the guy. I mean, he saves Jack, right? He's the hero. Yeah, he's the hero. Yeah. And then they have that contest at the end where the Scotsman, they're like, they're trying to like figure out who's going to row the boat. And they can't, like, they're both like stubborn and, and they both want to row the boat for the other. So they like launch into this series of contests and it's like just reinforces that. The Scotsman, while awesome, will never be as awesomer as as Jack because he's awesomest, and uh, it's um, it's really hilarious. Um, it comes all the way down to a thumb wrestling match, and it, it you know, again, Samurai Jack with its amazing ability to be completely goofy and 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 stupid, but hilarious uh, at the same time. What I found most entertaining about that though was the callback to one of the previous seasons, because there's a moment where Jack is searching for this magic thing, and at one point he has to be one of the galley rowers in uh, uh, like a Viking row ship, and he he asks, you know, oh, so, you know, where is this place of magic? When does it happen? And then he just buckles down and goes, there is no magic, isn't there? And <laughs> this great moment of depression, and this this episode is sort of the antithesis of that one. And I liked I liked the callback. I liked how that played upon it. <laughs> I also like all of the lines of dialogue when the Scotsman describes his wife because they're just funny. <laughs> like all of the like imagery and comparisons he makes. I really like that the Scotsman's initial solution for fixing Jack is to traumatize him <laughs> over and over and take him into scary situations. Like he hasn't been doing that this entire time. <laughs> I love just the personality of the Scotsman for being like, you know, if, if he was a dog, he would be this just big golden retriever. <laughs> you know, it's like just just wants to, like, do the best he can. And like, you know, he doesn't really think things through. Like, I, I, I love that about that character. He's just he, he's this good, honest guy, but he's just not not quite the brightest <laughs> um let's see uh ink you talked about the four uh, you, you you've got the four seasons listed talk about the four seasons uh episode i really wish i could i in my rewatch i got as far as the first two episodes of season four and i did not have any uh, enough time to watch the rest but i will say the Four Seasons is actually one of the episodes that stands vividly clear in my mind, at least for uh, two images, since you know my last viewing of that episode. And to say that one episode lasts, was it 15 years now or 16 years now, uh, is to say something about what it presented. And I remember one image of Jack moving down a column amongst cherry blossoms, I believe it is, it's supposedly spring. Um, but the, what strikes me most is, or what I remember most, 
is the image of icicles and the water dripping off of those icicles because the animation in that is just so damn beautiful and it is such as i remember a silent episode Largely. i remember really yeah. i remember that episode defining my impression of samurai jack i i think the the thing about the four seasons one that i liked is that it, it you know again it's it's another one of these short form format episodes where they do multiple tales sort of in in one you know 30 minute block of time i think where it succeeds that the season 2 episode like it didn't is it has this unifying theme of the seasons because i think in terms of plot and structure it has some of the same problems that the episode in season two did where like in the winter episode there's this race of snow people kind of like big ogre looking kind of dudes and they go to all this trouble to make a big cool looking magic sword and then like have a tournament to determine who's going to use the sword and like face Jack and Jack like cuts the sword in half. And like, that's it. The guy just kind of looks at it and drops it. And that's the, literally the end of that, of that like thing, which is kind of funny, <laughs> you know, but it's like, mm, that's a little jarring. Cause you go from that to the last part of that episode, which is the spring part that you were referencing ink. And, uh, that's a, that's another one with a, with a temptress with, you know, you know, enchanting powers, trying to lure Jack into a sense of complacency. And um, I'm going to talk about that later, but, um, but yeah, it, uh, that unifying theme certainly helped make that a stronger episode by comparison. Uh, just to speak to that point of uni- unifying themes through seasons, uh, last season, which I meant to mention, uh, in the birth of Aku, uh, something I didn't realize until I watched the co- or listened to the commentary with the episode is the fact that they actually intentionally manipulated the backgrounds to emulate the four seasons during that entire episode. So over, you know, uh, an hour worth of, or 45 minutes or whatever it amounts to, of material, you go through spring, summer, fall, and winter uh, throughout, uh, you know, barren trees, uh, budding trees, blazing sun, foliage declining but uh, you know all the the background colors all melding into the passage of time and very much meant to emulate the passage of the seasons where in this episode you actually have the actual seasonal representation of passage of time and I, I love that parallel hmm I didn't catch that when I watched that that's really interesting Kate any thoughts about that one nope Okay. Um, all right. So other episodes. I, I liked a lot of episodes in season four. I, I maybe it's hard for me to rank the the seasons or pick a favorite. But I feel like if I had to, if I was forced, I think season four might be my favorite because it feels like they got so many so many of the things they were working towards perfecting in the earlier seasons, they, they really did hit it uh, in this one. But um, Jack and the Flying Prince and Princess, I really like that episode uh, because, for one thing, I like the fact that there's fairies and they're from a fairy planet that looks kind of 
organic and plant-like um, and sort of magic-y, but they're like a space-faring race with ships and computers, and they have like really high technology. I I really, 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 really love uh, when you know fantasy themes and technology themes are put together in a way that isn't like techno fairies, but it's like it's 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 like this natural sort of like you you could kind of feel like okay they just developed technology and science and robots and this is how they do things so the world builder in me absolutely loved uh that aspect of of the episode and i want to particularly single out the princess in this episode as being cool because she's one of the few female characters in the show that isn't like some sort of alluring but secretly evil temptress (laughs) that either wants to like capture jack or like ensnare him somehow or you know the only other one we get uh that's that's not like that is the scotsman's wife um and she's she's cool in her own right um because she's more powerful than either jack or the scotsman uh but um i just that was kind of refreshing because the one thing i think the show has a deficit of is is female characters that are good and also uh, competent and talented and strong personalities in their own right. The other episode I really liked, did did you guys want to jump in on anything for that one? I just wanted to say that I agree, and that's going to be one of my wishes for season five. Uh, Me too. Amen. I would say I agree, but I think you're overlooking Samurai Jack's mom. Samurai Jack's mom is Awesome. Now the mom's good. She she may be she may be sidelined, but she is the one who makes sure Jack gets to safety, and to a grand point, just sort of takes on cue the importance of the situation during the onslaught of the castle and all that. Uh, what needs to be done, despite her husband's inevitable inevitable demise, uh, sort of gets him out and. I, I don't know why. She's not really showcased, but I always viewed her as a really strong character. I meant to include her in that listing, but you're you're absolutely right. Um she she is incredible. Um and unfortunately sidelined, but uh yeah, I just uh I hope they do that in season five. The episode nine, the Jack versus Aku duel episode, in terms of dialogue, this is the best episode in the entire series. It is so funny from top to bottom. It's kind of meta <laughs> in a way, the whole episode, because Aku eventually figures out, you know, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to come up with some sort of play. This is the one where he like pizza delivery style orders giants and robots and all kinds of things to go after Jack. And they're all lame and horrible and they don't work. And he eventually decides, well, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. And then they they get they get down to starting to fight, and then he goes, wait, 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 you know what? And and they have a frame where he has like interesting idea, and again, Aku's expressions are so fantastic that they they are storytelling in and of themselves. But um, he has this idea for them to have a duel, and he asked he like one of his condition is Jack can't use his sword, and then Jack lists like three different conditions for for Aku because they decide that. It's going to go like it always does where Aku flies away because Jack has, you know, figured out some way to attack him and, and, you know, cuts him with a sword and all that. 
the dialogue and the banter between the two of them in this episode is the reason this episode is just so good and so funny. Um, I was laughing out loud repeatedly uh, watching that episode, and the <laughs> they both end up like cheating, <laughs> kind of. Jack doesn't cheat; he just sort of like uses the rules, like to to be prepared for Aku's cheating, because of course Aku cheats. And the way it resolves is so great. And there, Jack has a line that says, "You know, you are evil, but I am smart." <laughs> and it's sort <laughs> of like just. Uh, it's just a great, great, great episode and really funny. Did you guys get anything out of that episode nine, the dual episode? Yeah, it, it's funny because when I was talking about rewatching and, you know, talking to other people about it, and I was saying that I couldn't remember how season four ended. I'll get to that in a minute. But. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, oh, I always considered the dual episode the last episode because that's the last big Aku episode for them to face each other. And like, I liked what you said about it, that it's sort of meta and has has a little bit of an inevitability about it or, or not an inevitability. <laughs> it has a, a bit of a this will continue to happen over and over yeah. and over again. It's it's a very full circle kind of ending to that episode. Yeah. And so I thought that was interesting. So when I was rewatching it, uh, I was thinking about that. I was, and, and then as far as how the actual season ends. So, wow. Did I not remember that episode? Mostly because I hate that episode, but uh <laughs> they really had no clue that they were not going to make more of this. Like that's how that episode feels to me is that it's, it's such a toss away if you're asking me and it's so devastating. And, and in fact, I'm so glad that I was only watching this rewatching this because there's going to be another season because if I got to that, I was like, and there will be no more. It's just horrible. It's a horrible way for you to, like, that's my last memory of Samurai Jack. <laughs> Him with that damn baby. <laughs> See, I don't know, because this actually harkens back to one of the stories of the other season, the uh, the birth of Aku, and the way that they open up with the, you know, the, the four mighty gods of the universe destroying this anomaly of evil, this black mark upon the uh, beautified landscape of the heavens, um, hacking and slashing away to restore the color of the universe, um, and this one piece falling to earth and sort of inseminating it with evil. Um, the the way that that story ends is, you know, the gods sort of handing off control over slaying evil to the humans because it's no longer them interacting with evil that they have already smited on a large scale to humans trying to smite the remnant on a smaller scale. But now, in the later series, it's Jack traveling along with this baby, you know, after all his times and travels, after all he has seen and done, just repeating it one more time, but this time with the infant with him and absorbing the actions and the ambiance 
and now the baby, as Jared has mentioned, sort of takes on this warrior face <laughs> so humoristically. This is the passage of responsibility. This is, I am ending, it is your turn to continue the crusade. And that's how I kind of read it, because they did set that up previously. And if they knew that the series was ending, that was not necessarily a bad end to it, because it is just another ending to another episode, but you can read it differently. Relative to endings of other seasons, I think it's a pretty weak episode. That having been said, to Kate's earlier point about Jack's heroism, I think this is a very much a peak Jack episode. Um, this is very much him being the kind of hero he always is. Um, and I really hope that Action Baby shows up again. Uh, and I hope that Action Baby shows up and is still Action Baby, and he's just Action Baby and beating the crap out of robots. That would be amazing. Um, Action Baby with a sword yes. beating up a robot. <laughs> One other episode I want to call out in Season 4, and, and then I promise we can move on to, to um, Hopes and Dreams for Season 5, is... Um, uh, it was episode 11. It's called The Tale of X-49, and it was this noir uh, episode about the only uh, X-series uh, robot that um, is still around, and it has an emotion chip in it that was experimental. And um, this cabal of scientists, including Drs. Wiley and Robotnik, if you look carefully. Uh, nice. <laughs> you know, develop all these robots over time. And the X series was, was the, the series of robots before the big bug bots that we see in all the other seasons. Um, X 49, uh, ends up surviving because he's not dumb and he has emotions which make him want to survive. Um, and, and he has a sense of self-preservation. He ends up becoming the best of his class. Um, he leaves it all behind though, when he adopts into his life, a pug or a bulldog? I wasn't entirely sure. I think probably a bulldog. That um, named Lulu. Named Lulu, and he talks about Lulu like Lulu's the love of his life, and maybe maybe Lulu is. Anyway, Aku, that rat bastard, <laughs> kidnaps Lulu and makes uh, X forty nine have to assassinate Jack to get Lulu back. And it's a really um, it's a pretty cool fight scene. Um, it's nice to see kind of one of the goon villain types have a backstory and a personality. And I was really attached to X-49 by the time we end the episode and he's cut down by Jack. And his dying words are, you know, take care of Lulu, sweet little thing or sweet thing, whatever. He like has this kind of repetitive sort of thing he says about her. And it was, it was such a great episode. I was like kind of devastated that the that the x-49 had to die <laughs> at the end of it yeah i love the noir visuals in there they did a great job with the music and the way x-49 narrates the story was very noir the only thing about this episode that i didn't like and it, i have to say like it's, it's the only time jack maybe disappoints me is that they it does not end the episode with jack rescuing lulu it's just like hey yeah you should take care of her whatevs and then 
that's the end. And I was like, yeah. um, excuse me. I need to see Jack save this dog. This is not acceptable. I was in that same emotional spot. I, th- this episode is also odd because Jack is not the main character of this episode. The protagonist of this episode is the robot that dies. But you're like emotionally, I was right there with you. Like I, I, I wanted Jack. I wanted a part two, you know, save Lulu and, and, you know, can't abide a dog being captured by a demon. Okay. I'm, I'm thrown down here. The, the, the belief in Jack, you guys tout so loudly. You do not believe he'd take care of that dog enough to not want a second part of that episode? I am a dog person. I need to see visual confirmation. I, I to wanted to see Jack rescuing this dog. <laughs> of course he rescues the dog. Should have been an hour long episode. Yes, a special. <laughs> um. Any... Samurai Jack Terrier. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, any other thoughts about uh, that episode or any of the other episodes in season four? Nope. Nope. Okie dokie. Uh, season five, Hopes and Dreams. Kate, you're the guest. I'm going to throw it to you first. What What are you hoping for in season five? So I just want to say, I know I wrote it in the notes, but just so everyone listening knows, I've not watched the trailer or any teaser or anything for season five. So, you know, whatever has been revealed there, I do not know. Um, so some things that we already talked about, I'd love to see some better female villains and or heroes in this season. Does that include uh, Aku in either or? <laughs> hey, interesting. Wait, what? What do you mean? Like him transforming, you mean? Yes, into, like, will Aku become an evil heroine or villain? Or is it entirely, you know, a separate character that is a heroine or a villain? Yeah, I don't want to see Aku transform. I mean, obviously we want to see Aku transforming and doing things. Like, that's fine. Um, But I'd like to see just some more competent other characters that are women. And I also am, I am somewhat concerned about the tone of season five or what it's going to be, because I don't particularly relish the idea of it becoming super dark and gritty or something, uh, which I don't know. I feel like some people really want some sort of real shift and, I want it to be true to the original four seasons. I certainly want, you know, some more plot forward movement. And I think that we will get that. But I also don't want it to lose the humor, the adventure of the first four seasons. I don't want it to simply cater to those of us who are now 15 years older or whatever in a way that doesn't feel like it fits as a puzzle piece to the rest of the seasons. That's, that's really important to me. I applaud that. It's a great answer. And, um, as far as I, I mean, I guess as far as other things that I really want, I I do though, I do want a resolution. I want whatever it might be. 
I kind of feel like I wouldn't be right if Jack didn't achieve his goal, but I think there's perfectly good reasoning and argument to say that, no, it should be tragic and that doesn't occur, but that doesn't seem like that would ring very true to me. Maybe I could be convinced otherwise, but I would like to see the conflict resolved. I don't, I don't want to be an, have an open-ended this goes on kind of answer. I don't think it can. Like, honestly, I'm hoping for the same things you are and for worse or better. I just want a yes. This is either inevitable or insufferable. And I, I want him to reach home or say, this is my quest. This is what I must do for the rest of my life is fight evil. Because that is ultimately what Samurai Jack comes down to. He is good fighting evil, and that is ultimately the message of the series. And I don't think you can really bring this series to an end, especially given the current climate, we'll say, uh, as being something that can be definitively ended. But for all hopes and dreams of all children watching the series, please, God, let us believe in hope. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see Jack defeated. I, I want, and I don't know how I want it to really resolve, but I know that, uh, I see what you're saying that, you know, Jack is a hero. He has to fight, but we've also kind of talked about throughout the, the the rest of the discussion here that it's sort of tragic that he has to fight also and kind of hearkening back to Jared talking about the epic hero, the quest and you coming home and it's different. And I could see a very somber homecoming uh, also, but I, yeah, I really need, I really need Jack to be the hero that, we need! Oh, man. What if Jack... I mean, because we're all assuming, I think, of course, that Jack is going to come back to the exact moment in time that he needs to. What if Jack doesn't? What if Jack comes back to some maudlin point in past history where, you know, Aku is just gaining power and has to strike him down again? Because that would ultimately put him in the exact same situation he is... That's tragic. And that would be. That really would be on an epic scale. <laughs> and I just thought of that now. He doesn't have to go back to where he has to be. He just has to go back. That is the entire premise. It never really specifies when. If they play with that, that might be my favorite part of that series. So I think we might have a old Taku no Radio first. There is something upon which we all universally agree and um, I, I think um, it's particularly extraordinary that Kate and I are actually in complete agreement about something. What <laughs> like, are you talking about? We also both hate see. Furia. Oh, oh, wait, yep, yep, yep. I forgot our Furia solidarity there. Um, speaking of unspeakable evil, um, <laughs> but I, I completely uh, agree with the two of you. Um, I want to see them not. If, it, if the show is going to grow up with its fans, that's fine I to a point. But what I don't want to see happen 
is I don't want the kind of original spirit and magic of the show. It's goofy, even slapstick humor uh, in points. I don't I don't want to see that thrown aside in favor of, you know, the Dark Knight Returns, but it's Samurai Jack, you know, like I, I'd rather I'd rather not see that um, that story. Um, but, you know, I another thing I don't want to see happen is um, as a brief aside, uh, Quantum Leap is one of my favorite shows of all time and uh, my favorite time travel show ever. Uh, the the thing that I the only thing that I cannot stand about that show for all of its very eighties eightiesness is the fact that and spoilers if you've not watched Quantum Leap which is older than probably a lot of you listening um, it's um, Doctor Beckett never makes it back home he keeps he he keeps leaping through time forever and I hate that because. I think with symphonies or, you know, pieces of music, you can end that work on a note where the tension isn't released and that's okay. I don't think you can do that with storytelling and, and let it be satisfying. You know, maybe, maybe there's a counterexample out there somewhere, but I know from my own personal tastes, I like things to be resolved. Um, particularly a, a, a hero that I've grown to care about seeing him go through his journey and his trials. I want to see, jack get home i want to see him get back to his time and back to his family now that having been said there's no way he comes back home even if he comes back home five minutes after he leaves um i in a way i think that might be more compelling if they spend a little time with him when he's home you know sort of sort of like the hobbit does in in return of the king where you know they've come through all of this hell and they come back and they're forever changed and home is still basically the same but they're different and they're never going to be able to go back home in the way that we conceptualize going back home and i think that's a very relatable thing to anybody who's you know started a life somewhere else and then has come back home is you are changed and you can't undo that you may not want to undo that um and there are things about your home that will not change, you know, um, but, uh, but how you see them has changed. And so, um, I, I would like to see something like that with Jack, you know, I hope, I hope the last episode spends a little time doing that. I also want to see, hold on, hold on. I would like to see that as episodes, uh, as a uh, season six, I would like an after episode, uh, after season of six, where you explore Jack going through his, uh, PTSD life. <laughs> I wouldn't want a whole season of it, but I at least want some some time spent, like going through that a little bit. And um, and I could imagine him getting home and reuniting with his family, and then becoming a wanderer. Still, I oh, I yeah. could really see that as you know what I can't like. I'm so glad to be home. I'm glad that everyone is here. But my place is as a wandering hero, as a as a Ronin, as a wandering samurai who helps those in need and comes home. You know, he can go home uh, and see them and return there, but that he won't stay there. Yeah. Oh man, and as a as a as a story cliche, the hero who refuses the right of power. I mean, how perfect is that? 
Sounds that, like Jack. That would be, yeah, that sounds like a very apropos way to, to tie the series off and, and call it a call it a done project. Um, but I, I, I did want to speak to Jack as the sort of perpetual proponent of justice in the universe. It wouldn't be horrible to consider the fact that Jack has to keep on fighting, that there is no resolution, that maybe he travels back to a point in the past where he doesn't affect any real change and has to keep on fighting. Mm. Like if that's the way they have to resolve the series is to be, is that there is no real resolution that makes sense in a sense, because you want a hero to fight because a hero is someone who fights and you need someone who fights and Jack will be that one who fights. And that it makes his character tragic. It makes it known. It makes it kind of cliche, but at the same time, original. Because mm. you have converted someone who is a sequence of events into someone who takes control over his future because that is what he needs to be. It's sort of owning his own destiny. Yeah. And I can see that. I think I don't want that. I, I, <laughs> I want a happy ending. I, I want uber happy ending. I, I think they could, if they execute it correctly, that 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 would they could make that satisfying. Um, I also I want the key to Aku being defeated to be Jack finally realizing I don't have to do this alone. I have met lots of allies, and I want to see a whole bunch of. Uh, characters from past seasons show up and come help Jack in kind of the final battle. God, yes. That would be awesome. And I think that that would be kind of a a nice sort of message for a character who, you know, is such an epic hero, kind of does everything himself. I think that would be a really good way to express the idea of, of Jack needing, you know, help in, and, and, and like his friends, you know, and his loved ones, like helping him defeat this this big evil i think that that makes that sort of counterpoint against the self-reliance thing jack has a lot more powerful and i I hope they do that i hope i hope we see a lot of like an all-star cast of people that jack's met coming back i want to see the peabody dogs back i want to see of course the scotsman i want to see i want to see as many of his allies as i can uh before it's all over well, if they all learn how to jump good, then they can probably defeat Aku. <laughs> that would be the best thing is if they have a training montage where like there's just a big field of them all practicing jump good. That's all you needed really is like three seconds of that too because all you need is someone jumping really high and you've got it. Yeah, like bring back the jump good instructor and have him lead like an army of people that just jump good. That would be a great way to inject some humor back into <laughs> yes. what might be a dark thing is, okay, get them, boys. And, like, everybody's just bouncing all over the place. Okay, guys. So I think we've reached the end, and uh, we need to take some Twitter questions. Yes. We have one from Diego at uh, DM underscore AGC. How do you best describe and or sell a person on Samurai Jack who has no knowledge of it whatsoever? Dude, it's freaking awesome. Watch it. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a show that has every genre covered. It's a uh, it's serialized, so it's easy to get into. We've gushed about the quality of it all along. Uh, it, the elevator pitch, maybe that I would use, would be 
a samurai is thrown far, far, far into the future and wanders the planet and the universe trying to defeat this ancient evil um, and encountering all kinds of crazy things along the way um, might be my stab at it. But that's just me. What do you how about you guys? No, I like that. But I would want to say something about the visuals or the style or it, the modern edge that it has. And I, I guess being thrown into the far-flung future gives it that, like, that unexpected note. Also, just the fact that you take something so separated as history and fling it into the future and watch it react. It's just a constant surprise. Because one of the strengths of this series that I don't think any of us has mentioned so far is how so many things miss. When you talk about Samurai Jack, you think, okay, hero in control of it all. And he's not, because one thing he's missing is connection to other people in the period of time in which he is flung. He misses the relevance of high fives, of certain slang. Uh, you know, the very fact that he recognizes language as it is, whatever. But, uh, you know, certain things we take for granted as viewers, he does not get because he has not been witness to this cultural evolution. So he is misplaced and he must discover the current humanity amidst the evil. And I think there's a very valuable lesson in that. Beyond that, the show is funny. The show is gorgeous. The show is action-filled. I don't think you could really call on a show to be much more than that. And if you haven't watched it, there are DVDs. There is a new season coming up, I think. I This, this is only supposition because I haven't tried it out, but uh, Adult Swim should have Adult uh, Samurai Jack streaming online. I know they stream a lot of their shows. It's um, it's all, I watched it all streaming on Hulu. So there you go. And um, you can also get it on Amazon. Hulu or Amazon are options for watching all of the seasons. We have all uh, all three of us for this podcast just marathoned this wonderful series and it loses nothing. I absolutely nothing in 16 years. I actually bought on Amazon instant video all four seasons of Samurai Jack and I have zero regrets about it. It is something you will show your kids, maybe your grandkids, and that's maybe the current generation of people listening to the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it is a visually brilliant show. It is well written. It is visually scripted. It is not narratively scripted, which is a plus, because when you realize the amount of patience it takes to walk, watch the show without the time it takes to watch the show that's that's kind of the lesson of it. You don't need a lot of time to ingest a lot of information. It will show you the information. It won't scream it at you. And it's beautiful for that. Depending upon who I was, you know, you, you sort of pitch differently to different people. But certain people that I know, I'd pitch it like this. Great fights, no talking. Mm. <laughs> One final point that I will bring up about Samurai Jack that is truly powerful 
to me. And uh, one of my favorite things about the show is the Shogun of Sorrow Aku is amazing. He's he's so good. He's so freaking good, man. Aku, he's so good. He Deep is analysis. a really wonderful villain. I mean, I just <laughs> the most memorable. And God rest Mako, man. Like, God, like God rest that man. Even though he's done so many other things and he's voiced so many other things, including General Iroh in Avatar: The Last Airbender, you know, when I think of Mako's voice acting body of work, it's always going to be Aku. And the, again, the design for Aku is just so perfect and wonderful, and his facial expressions. Why has nobody made a time? Probably somebody has, but why has nobody made a Tumblr about just Aku's facial expressions? Like, get me that <laughs> Tumblr right now, somebody. Another from Liz, uh, the Insatia critic. Oh my God, I am mega psyched about this. When I'm cur- what I'm curious about is Aku. Will he be way darker in this reboot? Aku expert, please tell us. <laughs> yes, I was trying not to. I was trying. We so give hard you the floor, Jared. Anything else about Aku, but um, uh, you know, for for starters, they, they they've cast another actor, obviously to 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 be Aku. And that person is going to have massive shoes to fill. Because Mako was, like, he brought so much personality to Aku. I really am afraid that anybody that tries to follow him up is just not going to be as good. Um, You know, if they're trying to go, you know, I think I said Dark Knight Returns earlier, um, kind of keeping with the Frank Miller fandom theme Tartakovsky has. Um they, you know, they could go more gritty and edgy with him, but I mean, he's such a stupid, goofy villain. Like, that's the beauty of Aku is he's this dumb, lazy, all-powerful dark force of evil and flaming eye- uh, eyeballs and ex- like incredible facial expressions. And he, like, if you tried to make him into like Edge Lord Aku, you would really kind of destroy the character, in my view. Mm. I, I would see a point where if you advance the frustration of Jack, you have to advance the evil, the arrogance, the antagonistic tendencies of Aku, and you would have to make both of them grittier and edgier to sort of sell the escalation, the passage of time. Mm. I hope that doesn't happen for the exact same reasons you've said. Ultimately, this is a story about a goofy villain facing a very unfortunate protagonist. Like I, I worry we're about to go from like Adam West era Batman to Christopher Nolan, dark Knight Batman. And it's going to be a very sudden turn. And I hope to God that's not what happens. Yeah. I hope, I, I mean, I have complete faith in Gendy right now. And that is, I think what's driving a large portion of the fan base to return to this aside from, uh, yearning for an end to the story. I think it's faith that the the, the original director is returning. The original... I, I think they're bringing in a different writer. Um, the fact that Gendy knows what he's doing visually, and he's wanted this. This this series has, has, has come to a new TV series season because two different film attempts have failed. And I, I forget why they failed via funding 
or maybe creative differences as I hoped maybe. Um, but Samurai Jack belongs on TV because it is a serial. Mm-hmm. And to keep a serial going, you really need to keep the original air. So if they don't do that, or if they manipulate it uh, with, a, with a false intention, it's going to fail. But with the, with the people involved, I believe in this manipulating the characters as they have been and evolving them organically. Touching on the movie thing real quick, I would very – just a brief aside, I would like to thank people who went to see Hotel Transylvania and Hotel Transylvania 2 for hopefully mm. <laughs> giving Indy the, the money and ability to get Samurai Jack finished. Thank you, people who saw those movies. Uh, from James, uh, JRN, Jam Jam. What about that one episode where Jack has to enter a dragon and remove a dragon egg and get farted out? Well, Jared already said that it was one of his favorite episodes, so you guys are on the same page. There you go. Uh, Kate, last... fan of dragon fart jokes. <laughs> the last, Actually, one of the favorite screenshots I have of that is Jack standing bewildered uh, in the epilogue of that episode, so to speak, as uh, the the savior of that town, the, the birth dragon that relieved them of, of all the fart smells, burns their village to the ground. <laughs> I love that resolution. <laughs> it's like everything is so much worse because they are not, you know, so their nostrils are not so filled with farts. <laughs> the last question is again from Liz, the Insatia Critic. How jaded is Jack going to be at this point? Any of the old op- optimistic Jack left over? Well, I certainly hope so. Um, because I don't know anything about it, I don't know how much time has passed for the new season. I don't know if it's supposed to be 15 years later or however many years it's been since we last saw them or if it's supposed to pick up less time than that. But I think it would make sense for Jack to become worn down over an extended period of time because, like we talked about, in certain episodes you can see the wear of him having to do the right thing, his his heroic heart not being able to do the wrong thing in order to get what he wants. So I could imagine him being even more broken down by that, but I don't want to see him being hard or heartless because then it wouldn't even make sense that he was still there because he would have traveled back in time. By throwing people to the wolves, <laughs> Jared. I don't. I don't have a lot more to add than that. I. I completely agree with Kate there. And I, I. I just. Sorry. I just. Now that I've started thinking about it, I do feel like that will be an interesting balancing act because if he is hardened, how are you? You have to convince me that he wouldn't have been just done the things that we saw that he couldn't do in seasons one through four. I think that that it's a key point is it can't be a total inversion, but it has to be a balance between optimism and determination Mm. at that point, because his optimism is what drives him as is his determination. Both forces wield a sort of uh, dark side to them, because once you once you let your optimism fall into desperation, 
the darkness occurs. Once you let your determination fall into uh, sort of a, a, a laxness, uh, a disbelief, that is where darkness occurs. So he has to remain above a certain moral line, uh, above a certain state of being to ultimately maintain his moral compass. It'll be interesting to see how they flesh that out in the next season to get to the end, whatever end that is. I think the only thing I will add to what the two of you have just said is what could happen is part of the journey he makes in this final season is he is really jaded and he try he's trying to get back to that optimism and handled correctly. That, that could be interesting. Thank you both so very much for talking for three plus hours on Samurai Jack. Uh, a, a wonderful cartoon from early 2000s that we all obviously love and we hope all of our listeners will love. Kate, where can we find you on the interwebs? I run reversethieves.com with my friend Al where we talk about anime and manga, sometimes video games and other things thrown in. We also do a podcast. You can find it there as well. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Nartaki RT. Jared? You can find me contributing to Any Gamers, usually for three episode tests each season. Uh, you can also find me as a contributor to Wave Motion Cannon, uh, where I'm writing weekly reviews on Scum's Wish. And you can follow my writing about games, which is a bit infrequent, uh, at the Electrum Edition blog. That's, I guess, anygamers.com, obviously. WaveMotionCannon.com for Wave Motion Cannon and uh, electromedition.wordpress.com uh, for the, the games writing, uh, which I've got some stuff in the works for that uh, that is going to be debuting soon. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Kitsu, and Anime Planet as uh, Save versus Jared, so at Save versus Jared on Twitter and the like. And you can find me on the background of Anime Gamers. I produce the three-episode test column uh, and edit some of our finer reviewers' thoughts on anime, video games, and manga. Uh, you could also find me contributing to the fandom post features, such as uh, 10 Years Later. I think I have uh, uh, a piece due on El Cazador de la Bruja. And you can also subscribe to Otaku USA at otakusamagazine.com, where you can catch reviews and uh, features on anime that you can't read anywhere on the internet. Uh, this most recent issue... Uh, just in mailboxes now, I have a piece on Kino's Journey and Shogenroku Rakugo Shinju. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me babbling, babbling endlessly under Animated Ink. And I think that's about it. Make sure you ter- uh, check out Otaku no Radio on uh, Stitcher, Google Play Music Thing, and iTunes. I think that's where you can find us. Also, there's a direct download link on the page. Uh, and make sure you listen to Anagamer's actual uh, formal podcast starring Evan Minto and David Estrella. And thank you very much for listening.
we'll have to just like bullshit our way through it though. That's okay. What are we if not bullshit? 